Um, seems like it wasn't very long ago I looked across the street from church and there was just a few houses in a field and this all of a sudden there's this building here. And uh, I'm sure it's a great blessing to you guys. And I'm blessed to be here with you guys as well. Today's sermon is on the word peace. Because we're in the Advent season, we're looking forward to the coming of Jesus. And Jesus brought, we usually talk in Advent about joy, peace, hope, and love. And today we're talking about peace. And our passage that I've chosen today is John 14, 27. John 14, 27. And let me read that for you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And Lord, we lift up our hearts as we look at this passage, and we pray that you would teach us your truth from this, and we pray that you would give us your peace as you gave it to your disciples. Amen. So this is um, Jesus, towards the end of his life, uh, had what's known as the Last Supper, and he ate with his disciples, he washed their feet, and he gave them some final words of encouragement and direction. And this is found within the Gospel of John in his retelling of what he remembers of the Last Supper. And one of the last things, well, towards the end of this section, in John 16.33, when Jesus is all done talking, 16.33, he says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. All the things Jesus has spoken to his disciples are to give them peace. And he says, In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So in this passage here that we're looking at today, which is part of the larger message of peace and giving his, his disciples the sense of calm in the storm, knowing they're going to have tribulations in this world, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So there's four different things he says. And we're going to look at these one by one. First of all, peace I leave with you. Now I did a lot of research on the word peace while I was preparing this because um, I know, and I'm sure you know as well, that the Bible was not written in English or in French, which are the two languages I can speak. Uh, but it was written in Greek and Hebrew and a little bit of Aramaic and a few other languages, but mostly Greek and Hebrew. Um, and so I, I felt as though I needed to push back, push through the English language understanding of, of peace and even through the Greek language to understand what does the Hebrew language mean. Because when we in English say peace, what comes to mind? What are some things that come to mind when you say peace? Lack of war. Lack of war. What else? Calmness. A calmness. Now, do you mean what sort of calm? Among who or where? In your heart. In your heart. That's very good. These are exactly the things I had written down. <laughs> <laughs> so in English, usually the first meaning is an internal peace, an intellectual sense of calm that, that we're not, it's a freedom from stress, freedom from anxiety. And the more that we have technology, we have lights that turn on, you know, all, we can stay up as late as we want. Um, years ago, we used the lights, 
when it was dark, you had to go to sleep, but now the lights are on, we can stay up all the time, and we have our, our little devices that keep us busy. Um, and so, the, we don't have much peace. We have anxiety, we have thoughts, we have things coming at us all the time. And so, when we think of peace, we think of getting away from all that, and just being in a state of, of emptiness, or of calm, or of, of tranquility. And this is very simple, as well, from that, then we think of, of globally, on, on a larger scale, having peace within the family, having peace within the nation, having peace globally. But it, it kind of starts intellectually or the feeling of peace within us. This is very similar to peace within the Greek language. <clears throat> Irenae. Um, the, the word Irene, if anybody knows an Irene, the name means peace in Greek. And it's a very similar sort of a thing. Uh, but for them, the influence the emphasis is more on, on peace and war. Uh, the, the, the word Irene comes from, um, I forget the word, uh, aero, I believe, which means to bring two things together, bringing things together to make peace. So again, we have these two concepts of internal peace or freedom from war. But this isn't primarily the Hebrew sense of shalom. I don't know a lot of Hebrew, but I know the word shalom. Probably a lot of you guys do too, because it's a central idea in the Hebrew scriptures, this idea of peace. And the main difference is that peace for us, peace for English and French and Greek is a negative term. It's the absence of bad things. It's no more wars, no more stress, no more anxiety. So what's left? Just silence, stillness, right? Peace. But for the, for the Jews, peace was something that you entered into. And it was something, it, it was a positive reality. Shalom meant a general sense of well-being. And the perfect sense, I think the, the, the purest sense of shalom in the Hebrew scriptures, because remember, when God first started revealing to them and communicating with them, they were farmers. And his main promise was to them, if you follow me, then there will be blessings on you. And the perfect shalom picture, I think, from the Old Testament would be a farmer waking up, opening the door, his children are there, they're healthy, they're happy. He opens the other door, there is sunshine, his crops are, are growing, everybody is healthy, his children are laughing. There is no war, there is no famine. All is good, he knows he is in covenant with his God. He knows that God is happy with him. There is shalom, there is peace. And it's not negative, it's not just that, oh great, there's no, uh, nobody did anything bad on Facebook today, or there was no, um, there was no wars today. It's that there is a positive reality. All is well, all is well. That is shalom. And Jesus says to his disciples, peace I give to you. Shalom I give to you. All is well with you. This is what Jesus gives. It's not just a, a negative, there's no bad stuff happening. It's a sense of there's good stuff happening within you. Secondly, he says, my peace I give to you. What, what does this mean that he says, my peace I give to you? When I read this, I think about um, throughout the Old Testament, or, or in Psalm 37, 37, it mentions a person of peace. And again, in Luke 10, 6, Jesus mentions a man of peace. There are people that you know who are men or women of peace. 
Perhaps they are peacemakers where there will be conflict and they enter into the conflict and they bring peace and they help to resolve it. And there are some people that just have a sense of peace. And perhaps you can see this most clearly when they're standing next to somebody that is agitated or is anxious or is, does not have peace. Some people have stress that just drips off of them like, like sweat. And some people are people of peace. And when they enter the room, everything feels a little bit more calm. When you spend time with very anxious people, you're going to tend to get more anxious and more worked up and thinking about the things they're thinking about and worried about the things they're worried about. But when you spend time with Jesus, he says, my peace I give to you. And it's his peace. It has his fingerprints on it. It smells like Jesus. It comes from Jesus. Jesus is the prince of peace. He is the... the, the ultimate man of peace that gives us peace in this world. What are some of the things, do you agree with me that our world is aching for peace? Individually, globally, we ache, we long for peace. What are some of the things that our world needs and wants when it says we need peace? What are some of the things that people are looking for when they say, I need peace, or we need peace? Yeah? Stability. Stability. Yeah? Metis? Peace with God. Peace with God. And even people that don't totally believe in God or, or have a very vague concept, I, I think I've, a lot of them still have a feeling of, what happens after I die? Maybe I'm answering your next question, but um, what, what else is there for peace? Yeah. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from guilt. That's what I was going to say next. That, that there's, there's this feeling of, I've done bad things. I think God might be mad at me. I don't know who God is or how to deal with that. But there's, in the darkness of the night when I'm, when I'm thinking, I, I, I don't have peace. What else is there that we need peace for? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, peace with the other. Peace yeah, peace with others, for sure. And harmony and, and getting together and countries getting along with one another. Um, so life is hard. It's often painful. It's filled with fear. Uh, we worry about ourselves. We worry about those that we love, about our children and their children. Uh, our hearts are burdened with guilt and with fears that were touched by our outside world. And we have restless uncertainties and longings within us, and all these desires and, and, and thoughts. And death is certain, but what comes after is not certain. And all these things fill us with anxiety and with, with stress, which is why one of the big Subjects in, in global media or in entertainment or in books has always been peace. How do we find peace? People saying that they can give you peace. People selling products that will give you peace. But Jesus says, not as the world gives do I give you peace. Jesus' peace is different than the peace of the world. 
Just briefly, here are some of the, the ways that the, the world gives peace. The world gives peace by treating sin as though it's not a big deal. And this is not new. This is what Jeremiah and Ezekiel, um, God through Jeremiah and Ezekiel, criticized the prophets in the Old Testament, saying, Woe to you prophets who treat the wound of my people as though it's not a, a big uh, problem, as though it's not a bad wound. Or he used the metaphor of a wall that was shaky and crumbly because of sin, and they just whitewashed over it with plaster. But when the rains come, it will fall. Um, many people in our society especially are treating sin as though it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal that you messed up. It's not a big deal that you have bad thoughts. Just learn to forgive yourself and get over it. Also treating God as though He is always, always on our side and for us. God is love. God loves you. God cares for you. Don't worry about God being angry at your sin. God loves you. And this is a popular message within the church and without, out, even without the church. If people are going to talk about God outside the church, they're going to talk about God as love. And that's true, but He's also just. But they only want to hear half of that. Um, trying to convince ourselves that everything will be okay. And when we see life and know that it's not going to be okay... We just need to convince ourselves every morning, look in the mirror and say, things are getting better and better every day. Just, just convince yourself that things will be okay and that you're a good person. And if that doesn't work, then there's always drinking and there's diversions and there's drugs and there's various things to just, just kind of keep us distracted from thinking too much. This is what the world does to try and give us peace. Either basically lies or distractions. But Jesus says, not as the world gives do I give you peace. What is the peace of God? The peace of God comes, as I mentioned earlier, it's like the Jew leaving his home and saying, everything is right, everything is well. And you can't get to that state of shalom by being in denial. It takes work. You need to plant the crops. You need to care for your kids. You need to care for your wife. You need to sometimes fight for peace or fight to maintain your peace. It doesn't just happen because you're sitting in your room meditating. It happens because you're active in the world. And our peace happens because Jesus was active on our behalf. Yes, sin is a big deal. Sin is terrible. Sin is a violation against God's co commands. Sin brings separation between us and God. Yes, God is terrible. God is fearsome in His wrath. But thanks be to God for the death of Jesus Christ, which rescues us from this body of death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, there's no way through human effort that we could achieve peace with God. And yet, Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. goes on to explain later in Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, 
As an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Therefore, we do have peace. Not primarily internal peace or external peace, but primarily peace with God, first and foremost. And then peace with God means it is well with our soul. And peace with God means we know what the purpose of our life is, and we know where we're going after we die. And God really is for us. How much time do I have? Yeah? What's that? How much time do you need? Romans 8.31 says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? You know, many people in this world want to believe that God is for them, but they haven't entered through Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. He who comes to the Father must come through me. But God gave His own Son for us. And if we have accepted Him, then we can read the following. He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for us, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? In Christ, we have peace with God. And He really wishes to give us good things. In Matthew seven eleven, Jesus asks the people around, He said, which of you, if your son asked for a loaf of bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked him for some water, would give him a serpent? Or something like that. I might have it backwards. If, you're, if your kids ask you for good things that are reasonable, you're going to give it to them. And he said, how much more would my heavenly Father give you all things that you ask? And especially the Holy Spirit. And John sixteen twenty six says that, Um, When we ask in Jesus' name, Jesus says, It's not as though I ask the Father, but the Father Himself loves you. And He loves to give you good things. And even if bad things happen, because Jesus said at the end of that section, In this world you will have tribulation. There is not a promise that once you accept Christ, everything will be perfect. There is the promise that Following Jesus is carrying a cross. And there's a promise that in this world you will have resistance. You will have tribulation. But there is the promise that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And just as we allowed our children to go through hard things, like the first day of school when they cried, and didn't want to go. Or the first day of college, or whatever it was. And we knew they had to do it. And we let them go through hard things, but out of love. Not out of a sense of harshness, but out of love. In the same way, God allows us to go through things that don't make any sense at the time. And yet He has promised that He will He causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. And further, he promises that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. This is the tribulation that Jesus promised. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. 
For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus continues, Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. This is the opposite of peace, being troubled, being bothered. But your sins are forgiven. Don't let your heart be troubled by your sins anymore. If your heart is troubling you, take them to the cross. You have peace with God. He loves you. He delights in you. He cares for you. He is making good things happen for you. Don't be afraid. What can man do to me? The worst that that man can do to me is death. But the power of death is sin, and sin has been defeated at the cross. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Jesus gives us peace. Not because, not lies and not distractions, but peace with God that results in peace within ourselves, that results in a life filled with purpose. So let's just pray for a minute. Thank you, Jesus, for peace. And thank you that you have given us all things so richly in Christ. And thank you, Jesus, that in you we have peace and we have hope and joy. And I pray, Lord, that you would, um, as we look forward to Christmas, I pray that more people would hear about uh, the peace that you are offering through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You're welcome.